3: kick 360, Friday edition. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Tennessee Power Hour is here and on Fridays. It is the VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. A lot to hit today over the next 45 to 50 minutes as we discuss all things Tennessee Volunteers and the Orange and White game, which comes and takes place tomorrow at Neyland Stadium. Gentlemen, it is great to see you again on this Friday. Hope you're doing well, Brent and Austin. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Hope you guys are well. Hope everybody's had a good week. I'm just ready for the warm-up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get to it. We're going to see a scrimmage tomorrow. I don't know if they're separating the teams or not, Brent, because of the numbers in the spring, but we will
0: see some one-on-ones, won't we? Yeah, they're going to play a game. Uh, I, I think that uh, they're going to come out about um, uh, you know a little after four. They'll go through some individual drills and do some things that way. And then I, I think from there they're going to uh, basically put the ball down and play. Now, they're not dividing the teams up. They didn't have a draft, so they're not playing for you know hot dogs and steaks necessarily at the end. But they're going to put the ball down, and, and they're going to go ones versus ones. And they're going to go four quarters. I think the first two quarters are going to be pretty much – regular timed football, and then I think once they get to the half, depending on weather, I think you're going to see a running clock. You might see a running clock earlier, but once they get to the half, I think everything's going to be a running clock to the finish line. I love those running clocks, Brent. Love them, (laughs) especially in high school football.
2: (laughs) Uh, Austin, we'll start with you on this one. Who will be the first quarterback that we see tomorrow in the orange and white game, and does it even matter who the first quarterback is to play in this game? Is it going to be a sign of anything of who starts this game is it some sort of reward for who's been the best quarterback this spring?
4: I want to go no. I don't think it, it means anything. They're just going to keep the rotation if that that rotation remains. I believe it'll be Hendon Hooker that uh, that will be the first quarterback um, tomorrow. But I don't think it matters. I don't. They're not. I don't think there's any kind of reward. I don't think anybody's separated themselves that much throughout spring practice, and so. Um, you know, I think that all those guys will get equal opportunity tomorrow. And I do think that tomorrow, of all days, you will see everybody get to run with a talented group of kids. So like, you know, the, when they rotate, you know, like if it's Hooker's day with the ones, you know, he's throwing the Bayless Jones and, 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 and the number one wide receivers. Whereas if, he's, if it's his day to, to start to be the three in the three hole, he's one the one to predominantly walk-ons in a lot of ways or injured receivers like a Jalen Hyatt who's working his way back. So um, I think tomorrow all three quarterbacks will get a chance to play with uh, talent around them.
2: Brent, is Joe Milton going to be a Vol? There was that weird story that came out where he said, oh, I I haven't decided yet. It may be Tennessee and maybe Washington State. Is that just smoke and mirrors to try to produce some actual announcement from him,
0: or is there something to that? No, I don't think there's anything to that. I I think he will be a a Vol. I think he'll be a Vol come – Uh, middle of May um, when he comes and and officially rolls in school, whether it's mini term or the first of June. But I I definitely expect him to to be a part of Tennessee. I'm not really sure why he said what he said. Um, I I think that um, Tennessee's idea on this was probably for it not to get out until sometime in the month of May. Um, And they were just going to kind of announce it after he signed some scholarship papers or whatever. And obviously news got out because uh, he was you know listed in the student directory, and I, I'm not sh- I don't think he's in the student directory at Washington State. He is in the student directory at Tennessee. Uh, he's been in Knoxville some, and, and I expect him to be of all.
1: So we know there are a ton of questions uh, that are going to be unanswered after tomorrow's game and and heading into to camp. Can you give us some things that you feel like have a chance to have some sort of answer as things wrap tomorrow that people can feel good about or have some clarity on?
4: Well, For me, I think it's offensive line, Brent. I think you can kind of start to see what the offensive line is going to look like. I think you can kind of see what you got in a guy like Dane Davis um, and, and, and just the progression of that group. So I'm looking at the offensive line. And, and, you know, and, and indirectly off of that, I think the, the running backs, but more, more specifically, the offensive line defensively, I, I'm i not sure if you learn anything tomorrow outside the fact that, you know, they're thin and there's a long way to go.
0: Yeah, for me, I think the biggest question that's been answered this spring is, is the running back position. And I think they've done some good things on the offensive line. I think there are some individuals in the secondary, although there's a concern there, obviously with the lack of depth, but I think. When you talk about this team and the fact that their leading top two rushers from a year ago both went in the transfer portal, uh, with Ty Chandler going to North Carolina and Eric Gray going to Oklahoma, uh, it doesn't feel like there's the drop off there. It doesn't feel like Tennessee's missed a whole lot at the running back position. Jabari Smalls had a great camp, and and I think they've got some quality depth behind them. And we still haven't even seen Tyon Evans at 100%, who's a JUCO player that's brought into basically compete to be the guy right out of the gate. I think Jalen Wright's been very good. I think D. Beckwith is as intriguing as anything. So if there's a position for me, 13 practices, 14 practices in, that has answered some questions this spring, that position for me is the running back position.
2: On the flip side of that, and Brent, we'll start with you uh, with this question. The position that if you're going to advise Vols fans that are watching this game, you're going to tell them, don't take too much out of watching this position group in the spring game because it's going to be totally different come fall, whether that be for guys showing up on campus, transfers, whatever it may be. Just that position group that you can't really take much out of right now as this team gets ready for the fall. I want both of you guys to answer, but Brent, let's start with you.
0: Well, I think probably for both of us, it's going to be the same answer. It's probably the line, it's linebackers for me because Roman Harrison's not out there jeremy banks is not out there and you've got some guys who are learning that position and, and trying to figure it out and conversely i think you've got a coaching staff that's trying to figure it out okay are, are they going to play tyler baron you know standing up some is he going to be handing the dirt all the time uh, what are they going to do with um byron young the juco transfer is he going to be a an edge guy only austin or is he going to be a guy who stands up and can play in space so I think the linebacker group is not going to be very impressive. I don't think anybody's going to leave the stadium going, "Wow, they're they're a little better at linebacker than I thought they were going to be." Uh, There's going to be a lot of people going to leave going, "Man, they got some issues at linebacker." But you got to take into account they're missing some key parts and they're still trying to figure out how to use everybody at that position.
4: I'm going to go quarterback. um, You know, just because you know, you you go back to the open practice and how many people left when it started to rain, thinking, man, Brian Mauer, that's the guy. That's the guy. And then after everybody left, Mauer sits in there in the pocket and throws two bad picks. Um, you know, it just looks flustered. You know, if, if they had been live contact, he would have got sacked multiple times. Again, I, I think you, you, you can't put too much stock into the quarterback position tomorrow either because I think there's such a long way to go in, in, in that race, and then you're going to insert Joe Milton into it um, when he gets here. That, you know, I, I just think that no matter what happens tomorrow, it's not going to be an indication, okay, yeah, that's our guy, that's Tennessee's quarterback, none of that stuff. Plus, I, a, you don't know what exactly what they're calling. You don't know, you know, how they're trying to, to work plays. You don't, you know, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. Like, you know, you know, when, when a play starts, is you know, it may work out, but did, you know, quarterback Y line the running back, Up on the wrong side of him did he slide the protection wrong things that maybe the common fan doesn't see that you know the the coaches are driven
0: crazy by here's a fascinating thing for me guys about the quarterbacks tomorrow and 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 alex golish talked about this when he met with the media last night and that was over the course of spring they have learned and kind of done some things and called some things tailored to each quarterback skill set so my question is are they going to go out and say hey let's run our stuff, are they going to have essentially a game plan for Harrison Bailey, a game plan for Brian Maurer, a game plan for Hooker, and you're going to see some pretty different variations of this offense depending on how the quarterback is out there. Are they going to go out there and say, hey, let's play it all, and then we'll evaluate things from there? I Because I think you can make – one of the things that happens in spring games all the time is you can set somebody up to be successful if you want to. Okay, or you can set somebody up to look bad a little bit, depending on what you call. How do they manage that tomorrow from the, the, the standpoint of, of fan expectations and, and what's the takeaway from that point? I'll be fasting to see how Alex Golas kind of calls this thing tomorrow. Isn't that setting
3: things up to see a rotating quarterback situation in September if they approach it
0: that way? Please, no. not all- um, I don't think that's what they want to do. Um, but, but the question is, can somebody go win the job? You know, I mean, look, you're, you're sitting here walking out of spring practice with three guys who have been practicing and Caden Salter who's been suspended. And, oh, by the way, we're bringing in a guy from Michigan. You know, after seeing everybody through winter camp and after seeing everybody at the start of spring practice, we're going to bring in a guy from Michigan. So the question is, can somebody go win the job and truly win it in August? Not by default but can somebody take the reins and say, hey, this is my offense. I can run this thing for you. Let's go. Um, that, to me, remains to be seen. If they can't do that, then, yeah, they're, they're going to be by committee, not by design, but by default. And Joe Milton coming in
3: uh, to this, I, I'm, I'm curious, Austin, what your thoughts on the, the, the quarterbacks that we haven't seen in the spring, by, by summer, how much are we discussing what they missed out on right now? Or are we even discussing is there? There's clearly not a leader in the clubhouse to, for the position. Milton's coming here for a reason. Have they missed out on much? What what what, what do you think the conversation is in July? I, I don't
4: think that there's, a, 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 there's enough of a separation for the three that are here that, you know, that you know, Caden Salter and or Joe Milton couldn't make it up. Now I think Salter's behind the eight ball cause he doesn't have the experience that Milton does or that really for that matter, that any of them do, you know, I mean, Harrison Bailey's played, you know, a handful of games, Brian Maurer's played in a handful of games and Hinton Hooker's got the most experience of anyone. So, um, you know, I, I do think that they come in behind the eight ball a fraction, but at the same time, I don't think it's insurmountable to think that they can make it up and, uh, you know, I think ultimately, you know, this is a position that Tennessee is just trying to find the right mix of knowing what to do and being able to be a playmaker. Like, you know, I, Brian Mauer again is a playmaker, but if he doesn't know exactly what to do, how much does that hurt the offense? You know, and then, you know, maybe somebody else isn't as good a playmaker, but they know what to do. You've got to find the combination of the two, and again. If you had to take three or four quarterbacks in the summer, you take three or four. You got to figure this position out because, to me, for Tennessee to have any success, um, they've got to figure it out. And let's face it, Brent, I think you would agree. Tomorrow, the best thing that can happen for Tennessee is the defense to not be very good, because you want to leave the stadium if you're a fan thinking, man, offensively, man, they can, they can, they can move it, they can score. You know, this is exciting. We, we've not seen anything like this. If you walk out of there and the defense has made a lot of plays and and the offense has kind of looked pedestrian then I think you leave kind of like the airs out without out of the balloon a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about it before. If Tennessee's gonna win and, and be successful, they're gonna have to outscore people. This is not a this is not a team that's gonna win seventeen, fourteen football games. Okay, they're not gonna play in in, in twenty one seventeen games. It does not feel like I think this is a defense that's gotta be opportunistic, create some turnovers and they've got to win in the red zone because teams are going to move the ball and put yards up against Tennessee. Back to the quarterbacks, guys. One thing that I think puts both uh, Milton and Caden Salter a little bit more behind the eight ball, but more than anything behind the eight ball is they do not have any work with the tempo and understanding the tempo that Alex Golish wants to go with. It's not about understanding the route concepts. You can get that in the film room, okay? You can learn the offense that you know this is what you're doing. This is what your route tree looks like. When you get this, look, we want to do this that. The biggest thing is they're not going to have – they missed out on 14 days of work where the whole premise was get the next play, process it immediately, get lined up and go. And I think that's going to be the biggest learning curve for for Joe Milton and for Caden Salter when they they get here because Michigan's not a real fast-paced team. These guys want to go fast, and they're going to want to go really fast as soon as fall camp starts how quickly can Salter and Milton adjust to that speed, to me, will go a long ways in determining how quickly they can get involved in being the quarterback or have a chance to be the quarterback at Tennessee.
3: While we're talking quarterback and on the discussion here about Milton, has there been discussion that you guys are hearing behind the scenes about for the quarterback that's joining the room, is there a quarterback leaving the room?
4: Well, I think there's going to be natural attrition. Don't you, Brent? I mean, I think that's just – that's coming one way or the other, and uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see who it would be. I think everybody leans towards Brian Mauer, um, but I think there's some some notion that you know Harrison Bailey doesn't fit the offense. So um, you know I don't think it's Hemden Hooker. If he's leaving, he would have to transfer down Brent, so that doesn't make much sense unless he's got a place that he's very comfortable in transferring down to to play. And I think he feels probably like he's done enough to be right there in the mix heading into fall camp through this, this 15 practice period of spring practice. So, you know, if I was going, I don't, I don't, there's not been any chatter to me that that, that considerate considerable chatter, as far as like legitimate, you know, Hey, this is, I'm hearing this from two or three people that I, you know, hear stuff from that don't normally miss on these things. Like I've not heard enough of that to make me say, okay, it's definitely Mao or it's definitely um, Harrison Bailey.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that you look at the numbers and it makes sense that not everybody's going to be back. I mean, I think that's just a natural kind of thought process. But in terms of who uh, that might be, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure where these guys feel like they are in the competition. You know, how far, you know, where do they think they are? If I were guessing, if I were a quarterback, the first thing I would do is a few days after spring practice is over, I would want to have a sit-down conversation with, with uh, you know, Uh, Alex Golish and and with Coach Halsey and I want you know I want an understanding of where things are not that I'm mad they're bringing in other competition because they were up front and told everybody that that was going to happen so it's not like those guys read on Monday when we reported that that Milton was registered for school was a student at Tennessee it's not like they all what's going on I mean they, they knew what was coming but I think they have to sit down and have conversations about hey where do I fit how do I fit into this thing what do you see where do I need to improve? And then from there, start to make any kind of decision. The, the problem with making decisions to leave right now is you got a short window. If you're going to go and transfer and have a chance to compete, you got to be somewhere by June 1st. Um, you know, is that how realistic is it to, to land at a spot at this point in time for, for those guys? I don't know.
2: If you ever needed any further realization that fans like offense and points, just watch a spring game and listen to the fans cheer for the offense while simultaneously cheering against their own defense. Even if there's an interception, they're not cheering for their own defense. Always get a kick out of that. So fans going to this game tomorrow, and and Hutton and I are going to be there. You want to see offense. You guys hit on that. And I know this is a question that will get a good separate answer from both of you. A non-quarterback that you're excited to watch on offense tomorrow for this tennessee team brent you're up first what is it who is a non-quarterback you really are looking forward to watching tomorrow
0: i think two guys are going to create some oohs and ahs in the crowd and 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 that's d beckwith because i think um there's a little bit of a legend status with him because he's so big and he's so unusual uh, at that position um fans got a little taste of that i think he'll make enough plays to kind of make some people go, ooh, what's going on there? And, and then I think the other guy is Jalen Wright. Because if Jalen Wright gets in the open field, then people are going to see something out of him. And I think he will have an opportunity to do that. I think he has made enough plays. He's not been perfect by any means, but he's made enough plays in every scrimmage that I believe he'll make a couple of plays tomorrow that people are going to walk out of that stadium and go, hey, that, that guy's good. That, you know, that guy's good. I, I think those two guys are going to create uh, a little buzz among the crowd tomorrow. For me,
4: uh, I'll, I'll go uh, since he, he took Jalen Wright. That was, I think that would have been one we both take. Um, and I sure don't disagree with you back with, but I'll go Anderson Kobe, who is a kid yeah. that they added at the last minute, you know, back in, in, in that second signing period. Um, kid that you know was from Florida, went to Mississippi, was really undersized, has grown, and really had a nice spring camp. Um, And then I'll go Tyon Evans. I didn't think he would actually go in the spring game, but if you base it off what he did yesterday, um, it sure looks like he's going to. And I think, you know, as Brent pointed out in our two-minute drill yesterday, he's going to be motivated. I mean, like he sat there all spring with that bum ankle, you know, and and has seen Jabari Small and and D. Beckwith and Jalen Wright and even a guy like T. Hodge, who, again, remains – or continues to fly under the radar, but have a quietly a solid spring make plays. And so if he gets in there, I expect him to try to, you know, to, to do something special. So I expect him to run hard tomorrow and, and try to prove himself. So I'll go Tyon Evans and Anderson Kobe with the receivers.
1: Some changes pending apparently for fall college football camps. Uh, probably not very advantageous for a first-year coach like Josh Heupel. When we return after this short break, we'll ask uh, VolQuest's duo what this means and uh, if they think these things are going to come to fruition.
3: It is all straight ahead. VolQuest Hour here on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is back. And it's VolQuest Power Hour on Fridays with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com.
1: So SI reports uh, fall camps, summer camps might be reduced, full pad sessions from 21 to 8, two August scrimmages, no collusion drills, uh, collision drills, sorry, collusion drills they're also avoiding.
2: No, that's allowed. No co- <laughs> We love collusion in college football.
1: no collision drills like Oklahoma or Bull in the Ring. I'm fine with those disappearing permanently. 21 to 8 on full pads is a severe reduction. How much could that hurt uh, a program with a new coach, and what would you think about a reduction on that scale?
0: Well, I think it's significant, and I think you're going to have a lot of coaches who are going to – that will lead to injuries once you get into September because guys are not going to be ready – and condition for for full contact um, I, I wonder if and, and this is typically what the NCAA does they, they make they they go and they make an extreme decision and then they walk back walk it back in some fashion over the course of the next couple of years so my question and my wonder is do they come back and say okay we're gonna give you the last couple of weeks in July to do a mini camp type deal or, or do something to where there's a little bit more work. Maybe it's not 11 on 11 contact work, uh, but a little bit more of an of an NFL type camp where there's a little bit more work there as opposed to uh, cutting that down from 21 to eight. So we'll see where that lands, but I think it's significant. I don't think it's just for Josh Heupel uh, or a new coach coming in. I think it's significant for any coach out there. I, Listen, I don't think you need to beat college kids up every day to to a pulp in full gear, Um, but I'm not sure eight full padded practices over the course of a month is going to get a football team ready to go uh, for the start of the fall season and and preventative maintenance for injuries and things like that. I know it's about concussions, but I just think that's a pretty drastic measure.
3: Brent Hubbs and Austin Price with us here from Ballquest.com. Guys, let's switch gears briefly and and discuss a coach who's not coaching this upcoming season for the first time in 40 years, Um, but someone who spent 18 days on the hill in Knoxville and Kevin Steele, who recently spoke with Dennis Dodd, and said that those 18 days would be a great Netflix series. How crazy, from what you guys have heard, were those 18 days for Kevin Steele, and do you agree they would actually be a book's worth of material with everything that went on behind the scenes
4: well i can imagine that it probably would be pretty good uh, you know fodder and pretty good entertainment and and brent you know i mean kevin still was doing everything from you know talking kids out of the portal to you know trying to to work out you know who they could sign in the last uh you know you know number you know the last signing class or last thing period there in february to you know, trying to figure out if he could go get a meeting with Danny White about the head coaching job, um, you know. <laughs> and then he was in his office for several days after Josh Heupel was, you know, hired and, you know, you know, Josh Heupel told him he wasn't fired. And then Josh Heupel, I think, sent him away, um, you know, like as far as like, you know, just work from home. It, it, fascinating stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I can believe that there's a lot of fodder there and, and, and some entertainment.
0: Well, and I think the fighter first starts from the fact that Kevin Steele took a job with the idea that he was going to be the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Um, And and then that quickly turned into wait a minute. I can be the head coach at Tennessee. And so in addition to trying to talk guys out of going into the portal, he's also assembling a staff. Um, And and I believe that it was more than just Rodney Garner that he had in mind who he was going to bring in. Uh, He had some guys lined up. He had spoken to some various guys about, hey, if I get this thing, will you come be on the staff? And then he was waiting around for an interview. They got pushed back for three consecutive days and ultimately never ended up happening. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that he probably walked in and went, wow, this is a mess. And then after a few days on the job went, wow, I'm a part of I'm in the middle of the mess, you know. And, and then ultimately was, as Austin said, you know, packed up, went to South Carolina and worked the last two weeks or so um, over there, and, and obviously now still getting paid a large sum of money by the University of Tennessee to apparently help out former SEALs, you know, find their next career path. Well, I, the, the most interesting thing to me, Brent, is the fact that, like, you know, when he
4: got here, you're right. Thought he was going to be the D.C. Then all of a sudden moves into, you know, potentially could be the head coach. Well, all that was, you know, determined by, you know, who going to be the A.D. Then Danny White gets the job, and, you know, you knew at that point, it probably wasn't going to be Kevin Steele, you know had they went another direction, had they hired John Gilbert or someone else, you know Kevin Steele probably has a better chance to be the head coach, but there was a lot of twists and turns just in those first you know ten days or so um you know that that you know could have led you know in a lot of
0: different directions but they ultimately lead to where it's at now. Well, think about this I mean he's in Knoxville, had been in Knoxville less than a just a handful of days, goes and gets on a plane. Uh, no, he's actually at Auburn. Excuse me. Up, he's yeah. at Auburn. Tennessee puts a group of staff members on a plane. They fly to Auburn, pick him up, fly to California for all of about two, two and a half hours to have lunch with the Toa Toas. I don't even think Kevin still really spent any time with the family. He just kind of <laughs> hung out. They flew him back to Auburn, dropped him off, and then flew back to Knoxville. And the next thing you know, he's up here, and then all of a sudden he's the interim head coach a few days later. So, yeah, I'm sure he could write a book. I'm it's sure he like, could be pretty book. Of, it's like an episode of Yellowstone. Who's playing
2: call, Rip, though?
0: We call it a coaching search at Tennessee is all we <laughs> call it. It's, it's not really anything unusual.
2: Yeah, just, just nothing to see here, everyone. Nothing at all to see here. This is how we do business. So I will ask this question. I want both of your opinions on this uh, with your expertise of this program. Was Tennessee better off just hiring Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator? when everything went down, or was it simply impossible for Josh Heupel to keep Kevin Steele on staff based on what had happened at Auburn and the fact that he tried to have a coup d'etat of the previous head coach, his bad feelings about not really getting a chance to be the head coach at Tennessee, and if you're the new guy in Heupel, you can see where, even if it's the best possible option for a defensive coordinator, why you might not want to have that guy on your staff. Would Tennessee be better off today with him as defensive coordinator, or was it just not a possibility with Hypel and him?
4: Experience-wise, I would say yes, because he's done it in this league for a long time. But when you look at the, the, the broad you know, brush of it, Brent, he knew all the boosters. So when people got upset about things, they weren't going to go to Josh Heipel. They were going to go to Kevin Steele. He knew everybody involved behind the scenes, so I think that part made it hard for Josh Heupel to uh, to keep Kevin Steele on. I, I think for Josh Heupel, he needed to have his own program um, with you know, you know, kind of know and just kind of build it organically from the ground up, not have anybody already having you know predetermined relationships in town. I sure that could have helped in some ways, but I think it could have also hurt had things you know not been, you know, had things gotten bumpy early on.
0: And and I will say this, too. I'm not sure Kevin Steele in his first meetings with Josh Heupel went in and said, hey, I want to be your defensive coordinator. I think he may have played it a little bit like he did at Auburn when he got fired down there and went in and said, you know what? I'm probably not the best fit for you. You know, we don't know each other. You know, it's probably best that we go different ways. And I think the initial conversations with Josh Heupel was probably more along the, I'm not sure this is going to work or I'm the right fit, as opposed to, hey, man, I really want you to be your defensive coordinator. Let's sit down and talk ball and really look at those things. Because I think at that point in time, Kevin Steele was hurt and was mad. Remember, he's a finalist for the job when they hired Jeremy Pruitt. okay, And he thought he was going to get the job then. He had his staff assembled then. So then, what, three years later, we're sitting here and he's like, hey, finally, I'm going to get it and then it and it gets pulled out from under him again, so I think he was pretty bitter and upset over the fact that there at that point he probably said, "You know what I'm never going to be the head coach at the University of Tennessee ever in in my life, and I think that that's something that probably did not lead to the most it, it wasn't uncivil, but probably not the most warm and fuzzy conversations with Josh Hepel right out of the gate can can we go back can we go back to the fact that Think about what all's
4: transpired since they picked Kevin Still up and put him on that plane to go out there and see Henry. Back then, that was before Hubs even had a beard. So he grew a beard, then shaved the beard. You guys were on a separate uh, radio station in Nashville. I mean, like, there's been so much happen. And it's only been a couple of months. This, like, this, again, this place is amazing for the fact that it's never just a one move to the next. There's like 65 counter moves to get to the place you want to go.
1: I don't know if those details, context, are making the book, Austin, but I appreciate you including them.
4: What, <laughs> what, what
1: is Kevin Steele's situation after this college football season? What's his stock as a, as a, a free agent on the open market, as a, as a coordinator uh, candidate around the country?
0: Well, I think he's going to certainly land somewhere. Uh, And and I think the question that Kevin Steele's going to have after a year off is, what do I want to do? Do I want to go to the NFL? Do I want to go back to the college game? Or, hey, I really enjoyed my year off and I just want to be a consultant. It's not like he needs a check because Tennessee's going to be writing one of those for a while, you know, and and Auburn's thinking Tennessee because they're writing a smaller check. But, But look, I mean, Kevin's going to make $2 million a year. Um, this year and next year so he's safe he's good Uh, so he can be very at his at this point in his career he's going to be very calculating in what he picks he's not just going to take a job to take a job uh, but but he's going to have opportunities uh, for jobs out there I think both in the college ranks and the NFL ranks and and I do think he wants to continue to to coach and um, he'll land somewhere he'll land somewhere in the power five ranks if it's in the college game or he'll be in the NFL. All right,
2: Austin, I want to start with you on this one. This is a big-picture question discussion on the eve of the orange and white game. Danny White did an interview with ESPN, Tennessee's athletic director. His quote was, We're not going to win our next national title doing the same things we were doing in 1998. We need to be creating our new reality and innovating what our future looks like. And that's an unwritten story we need to go right. You guys He's know right. that there is a division – amongst the thoughts of what Tennessee is, what they were, what they could be, with older fans, with past players, with Philip Fulmer, the previous AD, and what a Danny White, a Josh Heupel, a new regime, and a new generation of fans might think about the university. So how do you square this? Austin, I'm gonna start with you on this one. How do you square this idea of both honoring the past, but also recognizing it's not going to feel like '98 anytime soon if Tennessee keeps trying to do the same things they've always done. I agree. I, I couldn't agree with
4: Danny White more. Um, you know the atmosphere at the stadium. Uh, you know you know what they do and you know with, with you know just the the grand scope of things with you know I, I think the band is something you don't do a lot of changing with. Their pregame is their pregame, and, and that's what makes Tennessee neat. How they salute the. You know, I know it might drive some fans crazy, but how they salute the the, the opposing team, and, and and then the the tee opens up, and in the whole you know twelve or thirteen minutes that is the pregame show on the field. But as far as like in game atmosphere, what they do, the music they use, um, whether it be incorporating new lights, uh, you know, different type of videos on the on the you know the jumbotron. I told somebody the other day, you've got a WWE Hall of Famer who is the city or is the county mayor you can't tell me that if he walk if if they played some video and, and, and incorporated his character with it going from third to the fourth quarter that people wouldn't go bananas and incorporated fire and he does the whole thing and and all that stuff so i mean i think that you know you can make this a a, a different atmosphere and still pay homage to the past you know you still honor you know the guys that have come before him that don't mean you, you totally turn over a new leaf Brent, but you have got to be able to evolve and do things differently you know whether it be you know game day radio whether it be you know you know the game atmosphere whether it be whatever like just you've got to continue to do things differently on the broad and on a broad brush not not just you know pinpointing one thing or uh, this or that you've got to change things up a little bit because you've got to be the cool thing to do tennessee as a program brent not just like music and that, all that stuff but how they recruit They've got to find a way to make it the cool place to be. And 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 you've got to be different. Give Butch Jones a lot of credit. He was different with the kids. He made it a cool place to be with wearing the Jordans and all the watches and all that other stuff. Um, he made it fun. And so, you know, can you piggyback that a little bit and do your own kind of flavor for Josh Heupel, Danny White, the athletic department? I think you can. I think you ultimately have to do different things than what you've been doing them, if you're wanting to uh, take a step as a program and not have everything feel like it is. I I would equate it to Field of Dreams where you're you're right there in the present and then you step across the white line and you go back 60 years. I'm not saying you go back 60 years, but at the same time, some stuff does feel like it did
0: 25 years ago. I'm just happy Danny White acknowledged the question I asked him, you know, three months later at his opening press conference because I asked him, how do you balance the tradition of the past with – the innovative stuff of the future and what you want to do because he's known as an innovative guy. Lazy River going around the stadium in Orlando. They got tiki huts down there. Obviously, you're not going to do that at Needland Stadium, but you do have to improve the the atmosphere and the game day experience. And, and listen, I know a lot of traditionalists say just win. If you win, it cures it all. I don't disagree with that. You have to win because if you don't, then, the, then your gadget stuff you do is Becomes Butch Jones. It becomes slogans, and it becomes stuff that everybody makes fun of. Um, so you do have to win, but at the same time, too, you do have to make it cool. And if that means you wear alternative uniforms, wear alternative uniforms. If that means you you put in a, a, a light show, I'm not a huge fan of those the things that like Alabama does. I don't think those are personally. I'm old, and grumpy, and get off my lawn. That doesn't do a <laughs> whole lot for me. But the young people like those things. Okay, and and I get it. Um, so, I do think you have to find innovation uh, while not completely walking away from the past. Part of that innovation is how you play offensive football. And I think that's a little bit of what Danny White's talking about in that quote, too, because you're not going to line it up and run it off tackle three times like you did in 98, uh, you know, or like you did in the mid 90s. You're going to play fast tempo, try to score a lot of points and create a, a you know, a show, if you will. And, and I think that's the first step. The question is, how long does it take for Tennessee? to get that offense rolling that way that was beautifully
2: said by both of you with that answer and I agree with everything you said now that being said uh, the first thing that they're doing with this orange and white game is bridging the gap with the past and inviting back a bunch of VFLs and honoring the tradition in the past with the players Um, I think most fans would like that what do you guys think about the efforts to bring
0: back a lot of past players Brent let's start with you Well, I think it's a must. And and listen, Butch Jones had previous players in for the spring game. So did Philip Fulmer. So did Lane Kiffin. I mean, that's happened before. Uh, There's been a very conscious effort this spring, uh, the last three months, to try to get players back. They had a bunch of guys at practice yesterday. I think it's very, very important because, let's face it, if we're going to write that book about the month of January, there's a chapter in there about T. Martin. And there's a chapter in there about how – a bunch of former players were upset with the fact that T Martin was not named the interim head coach. Kevin Steele was hired in to do that. There's former players upset because of how uh, some of those things were were done with a former player and, and how T Martin was handled there. So I think it's a smart move by Josh Heupel to try to get in and, and try to get away from all of that. You know, I, he didn't have anything to do with that. Welcome these guys back and uh, try to make them feel as wanted and as welcomed as possible. And you know what? I bet if you interviewed some of those guys and talked to those guys, they'd probably be into some innovation stuff too. You know, I, I, think, I, I don't think that it's a situation where those guys are, you know, don't, don't mess with what we did 25 years ago. You know, let's win, let's make Tennessee cool because I'm tired of getting beat up on social media about my former school. I'm tired of getting, you know, beat up in a locker room when I was an NFL player about the fact that my school doesn't beat anybody that counts. I'm tired of hearing from those guys on text messages. So I think they're all in to win, whatever that case may be. But I think it's very important that Josh Heupel has reached out to those guys and tried to make them welcome. Remember, we're, we're not, what, a decade removed from the whole Derek Dooley, are you welcome back or are you not? you have yeah. to have an invitation? Do you not have to have an invitation? We're going to have kick a somebody team. out of the complex because they're not welcome here because we don't know who they are. So this is not like this is something that just happened this is a deal where you got to work to make sure those former players feel welcome. And I think Hypel's doing the best he can with that out of the gate.
4: Well, and he, I watch him, you know, when we're out there, every practice, I watch him, Chad, walk right over to whoever, whether it's a former NFL all pro all pro or it's a guy that was a walk on. And he talks to these guys and, and to a man, everybody afterwards is always like, man, that never happened with previous guys like that, that, you know, that just never happened that he would walk up and take time out of a period. And, and, and talk to us. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of former balls have, have really got on board with Josh Heupel. Actually, they've got to meet him and talk to him and kind of get a feel for him. Um, I think that they, are, uh, they, they very much enjoyed, you know, what, even though it's a brief amount of time, they've enjoyed their brief uh, interaction with
1: him. Brent, we allow all of our former interns to come back. It's an open-door open policy. Except we had one dude that uh, unbuttoned his shirt exceedingly low. And I, uh, I told him in no uncertain terms we expected him to button up. And, uh, and he buttoned down further. He doubled down. He was kind of a napper. And uh, it was made clear that he wasn't uh, welcome back as an alumni. He wasn't welcome back as an intern. We basically told him he'd served his time, we'd fill out his paperwork, and he was dismissed. So he wasn't allowed back. But everybody else is welcome back. That's our policy. We had no Derek Dooley years.
0: Well, I, I'm, you know, Paul. I, I, when I think of you, I think of warm and inviting Welcome. apple pie, front porch, hugs. Everybody, come, hold hands, sing "Kumbaya" around the fire. That's, That's right. what I think of when I. i think misunderstood. Of Paul. I really do. I'm
1: misunderstood.
0: <laughs> I mean, but, last week we had the, the, the last week
4: we had the uh, Vincent Snead interview with no shirt. This week, Paul's. Got me unbuttoning my my shirt here, so I mean, I'm, I'm looking oh, going on here with
1: the. Uh, hey, you shirtless would really spike our numbers. It's beautiful. It's hey, beautiful it would time. tank the
4: show. It would tank the show. Mike,
1: Mike, I didn't spike our numbers.
3: One thing I do want to know is uh, you mentioned Danny White changing things up on the hill. Does the shareholders' society come with a cocktail and beef tartar? <laughs>
0: May come with a secret handshake, like the Royal Order of the Water Buffaloes, with Fred Flintstone and Barney (laughs) Rubble. A woo, a woo, a woo woo. Oh, cut that! You know, I I I think that um, I think Danny White's message here is real simple. Um, And and it's we need more donors. Yes, they want big money. Yeah, they want anybody wants to write a seven figure dot you know seven figure check, they're going to crawl to wherever it's at to pick it up. But it's not just getting a few people to write a bigger check. He's trying to create a bigger base, yeah. larger numbers of donors uh, through the alumni base. And it, we'll see how it works. I think it's a hard time to do that. You're three and seven a year ago. It's been a pandemic. And um, you're not, you've not come out and said, hey, th- this money is going to go to a certain place. And I think when you're talking about people making donations and, and donate you know, making a a gift, a lot of times they want to know what specifically is it going to. If the gifts just to the general budget, to take the general budget closer to two hundred million dollars, I think it's a hard I think it's harder to get people on board for that as opposed to saying, hey, it's for baseball facility or it's for the Nealand Stadium renovation project or um, it's for a player's lounge or whatever. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but this is out of the Danny White playbook. He did it at Buffalo. He did it at Central Florida. Um, his, the guy who was in charge of the, the, the Tennessee fund did it at, um, at Pittsburgh. So th- this is, this is kind of what they've done everywhere they've been. And, and we'll see if they can create a larger donor base, which is the ultimate goal, in my opinion.
3: Austin and all I can think of when you mention Glenn Jacobs as the mayor is Kane coming through and chokeslamming slamming someone to hell pregame uh, or the tombstone pile driver you know to the opposing I to mascot me,
4: I, I go back to me that's just that's to me just common sense like you got a, a, a WWE Hall of Famer whose' whole gimmick was fire and and, and, and just uh, such a neat uh, neat deal um, why not use him? Like I I know he would be for it because you know he is very much in the community and let's face it guys guys he's announced his run for a reelection so I mean like you can't buy that kind of exposure right. out there every Saturday for eight Saturdays in the fall so um you know I, I think if you incorporate him it just makes a ton of sense.
3: Brent, can I clarify one thing as we wrap up uh, because I'll sure. get questions about this: Are players still ticked off about T. Martin not getting a look? And and if so behind the
0: scenes, is that being discussed much? I don't think it's being discussed as much but there were some people still upset that he didn't get an interview for the head coaching job when they hired Jeremy Pruitt because his resume was as, other than a couple of national titles in terms of what he had done on on the job a lot of former players felt like his resume was equal to that of Jeremy Pruitt so uh, I think there's for a collection of guys that are very loyal to him because of what he did in his time at Tennessee. I think there's always gonna be a little bit of, of resentment there that, hey, he never got a shot. You know, they, they never, they wouldn't even promote him to be the interim, you know, head coach. And I, and I think T probably, you know, fueled that a little bit during that time. I think again, that's settled down because it's not Josh Heupel's fault. That's not anything he was a part of. It's not anything Danny White was a part of. And I think that's why it's so significant that they have had guys in all spring. We'll see how many come in tomorrow because of the weather, but they're, they're scheduled to have a bunch of guys in. That They've sent them care pack, packages. They're doing everything they can to make those guys feel as welcome. I don't think it's ugly. You know, I think there was a yeah. point in time in January it was really ugly. You know, a lot of Zoom calls taking place with a lot of talk going on. I think a good bit of that has died down as T has moved on. But I think it's something that Tennessee is mindful of. And it's certainly trying to move past.
3: Brent Hobbs and Austin Price, speaking of uh, care packages and gift baskets, they, they will have those for us tomorrow as we arrive in Knoxville for the orange and what white game. What a greeting it's going to be. Quest and kick 360 together. Uh, who knows, maybe we'll make it on the two-minute drill, Chad.
2: Uh, that's been my lifelong goal <laughs> is to
3: make it on that
2: daggum two-minute drill.
3: And it's yeah, had to happen.
2: That. Well, I think as Please, you
1: get to son, town, I, s- I think as you get to town, you're going to hear hubs using one of these megaphones going "awoo, awoo, awoo." <laughs>
3: no, no. It's
0: going to be our horn I'm so- tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't get the Flintstone reference. I got man. it. I, I got
1: it. I'm in. Let's
0: uh,
2: Brent. Let's do a two-minute drill where we do nothing but talk about the films of Luke Perry. That's what I want. That's
3: really my life goal. Let's now just do that for one not whole two-minute in. drill.
1: Now you're definitely not getting in.
3: Let's just I- I hope. Think we should- Let's just hope for no lightning tomorrow, guys. We can all agree on that. It's
2: guaranteed now. Guaranteed. A little rain's fine, just no lightning. Nothing like
0: a spring game weather delay, right? That's, <laughs> that's what everybody wants to have, right? Take cover Let's in the concourse.
1: Not just a running clock, but an, uh, an accelerated clock.
0: Uh, we'll restart ahead. in 45 minutes.
3: <laughs> Austin just wants to cancel it now for yeah. fear of rain yeah hey austin go.
1: <laughs> cancel it for fear of rain and he'll be out golfing anyway well, yeah you know
4: there, there, there's a there's a student who does uh, and i don't know how much you guys have watched the the press conferences his name is gustavo he works for yeah. wtk yeah. on campus and and he's going to be going back to brazil uh in may and i said you know so you come to the spring game he goes, no i'm letting you know the other guy do it and i said buddy I said you're getting ready to leave town. I said, "Why don't you take my credential?" You know, what I mean, like you know. That, I, 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 of course, it was tongue in cheek. He took it as serious, but like you know, I would gladly give Gustavo my credential to watch. Uh, you know, you know that golf?
2: tomorrow. Just, uh, <laughs> to watch golf tomorrow <laughs> on <laughs> no, TV. No, I
4: don't really care. I don't like this team event down at the Zurich, yeah. so I, I don't really care about that. I mean, I've got a, a broadleaf Japanese maple I need to plant in my front yard, and uh, <laughs> my hydrangea bushes.
0: Yeah.
3: Which he will soon put Easter eggs underneath and <laughs> no,
0: no. Are you kidding? For Those next things year. are going to be decorated with so many Christmas lights year-round, you have no idea what's Blind. going on there. Are you kidding me? Easter egg? He didn't even participate in any other holiday. He's going to have Christmas bad. lights That's out on July true. 4th. That's not well, true. Sounds I like Arbor Day tomorrow.
4: the ones that have the Reese <laughs> the Re- the hearts for Valentine's Day, the eggs. The pumpkins all the for Reese's Halloween, anything right. Reese's. I, I yeah, you know, I'm waiting on them to do the uh, fireworks for
2: July 4th. We look forward to a nice Douglas fir being planted tomorrow <laughs> in the Price Yard at the Price Manor. What's the That'll name of your
1: What's the name of your uh, 360 Masters hole again?
3: Three. What now? What's the name Weeping of your cherry? Weeping cherry. Oh yeah, cherries. yeah, yeah, yeah. Weeping cherry. I'm just a few bays down from flowering crabapple. Yeah. So. <laughs> Guys, thank you as I can't always. Wait for that.
4: That's gonna be That's gonna be exciting.
3: Yeah, I can't so, wait uh, to see you. 360 Masters coming up on Thursday, June the 10th at Topgolf. Austin's mentioning it. Um, Hubs is more than welcome to come as well, but Austin has said well, was, he's
4: coming. I'm dragging yeah, Okay,
3: good, 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 good. good. So yeah, you can uh, join <laughs> the bay. You can you can actually purchase a bay right now and request to be next to the VolQuest Bay. That You can do that right Seems now for the Eventbrite cherry. link. Uh, go to our Twitter page at Outkick360 for details. Guys, thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow at Nealon. Take care. All right. Sounds That's good, good guys. guys. See you tomorrow. you. Always All fun boys. Brent oh, Hubs so and Austin Price of VolQuest.com. And look, we make the rules here. We're not doing the break. We're gonna go right up to the top of the hour, but we will tell you about a great event we have in Knoxville prior to kickoff, prior really? to the orange and white
2: game. Really gonna test Jacob's ability right now, too. I called him a doer to start the show. Is he in fact a doer? There we oh, are. there it is.
3: Now put the coffee down.
2: Oh, we got new ones! <laughs> Look at that! Oh, that is these guys the are killing it. Outkick. Look at those Lance Lee hands on us. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. No, those are what Lance dreams about.
2: <laughs> the Outkick Fan Run Radio Event tomorrow, Old City Sports Bar. I on it looks like a for Halloween event. event
1: now.
2: Yeah. yeah, it does. With the colors and everything. Yeah, yeah. Or, orange and white game event, pregame meet and greet. Uh, that's tomorrow, noon to 3:30, <laughs> Old City Sports Bar. Nelson's Greenbrier is still fair. a response ring. There's the actual look of us. Uh, although a little bit more tan I think
1: no
3: and we look it's forward to same. seeing a lot of people <laughs> it's out just there not a black a and bit, white
1: a little bit more tan it's not changed
3: at all go back to the other one if we can the black and white is it there we there's go. there's the yeah. black and white
1: your
2: ghouls yes yeah. Come out and meet the ghouls.
3: <laughs> Come out and meet,
2: yeah. We're we'll, best costume. Hutton and Chad. That's the game we're playing tomorrow. Will we be alive tomorrow when you dead see it? Dead or alive. It's going to be like a week weekend at <laughs> Clay's going to be holding up <laughs> the whole time, yeah. <laughs> pretending he's alive. It's I don't see great. Clay
1: putting in that work. If you're no, dead, you're no. dead. He'd be like, no. all right, on to the next no. thing. Okay, he just steps <laughs> over
2: our body <laughs> like Nick Saban did yeah. when the guy passed out in the field. I food. guess
1: Kuharski's doing that show alone I'm no. on Monday.
3: FanDuel.com/ok360 <laughs> is the link for new users. Thirty to one odds. You pick the winner of UFC 261 main event. <laughs> no. Main event. Kamara Usman Jorge Masvidal no. uh, rematch from last year. Usman won in a decision. He's a minus 400 favorite in Vegas right now. And as a new user, you can get him thirty to one on a five dollar bet. It pays one fifty. FanDuel.com/ok360. Um, go win
1: money on that fight. I put money at great odds on the Titans picking a defensive lineman in the first round. I, I think they're interested in what a defensive lineman. I, I like plus 600, plus 650. I think throw five bucks on that and you hmm. win yourself some money if they I go like off that. the beaten path. I like now, d-
3: does it have to be so uh, defensive lineman – um,
1: yeah, a defensive end. For a 3-4, yeah. like a
3: traditional 3-4 line. I'm lining. thinking
1: interior defense. I'm thinking Barmore. Yeah,
2: I, I think am think going big on the Preds tonight. Even though they're a pretty heavy favorite, I'm going big on the Preds to win on the money line. They bounce back. Four they're of their six
3: best offensive outputs of the season have been against Chicago. So they're they, they play well offensively against the Blackhawks, and they were during the collapse, the three-minute collapse from Wednesday. So... They should bounce back. This, the, this will you tell like us a lot. Do you like
2: their mental fortitude?
3: Uh, not necessarily, but I do tonight. They bounce back tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily, but he's already pushed the thing on the bat, and
2: so tonight, yes. Tonight, yes,
3: yes. David Reed motioning uh, something to us So before we uh, oh, yes. log off. Thank you for the reminder, Reed, because I forgot that it's uh, it is Friday. And it's the last day for Emma. We've been doing this oh, for how many goodness. days? 29, 30, 30 days. This is
2: our 30th 30 day. 30
3: days was enough for Emma Notstein. Yeah,
1: she got the hell out of G- GTFO. And she
3: put her 30 in, and her community service is now done. Uh, so she's, she's done with Outkick 360. Uh, Becca R- uh, Risley uh, stepping in has done a really nice job. Uh, but Emma will be hard to replace over the first month, which has been exceptional behind she's the scenes. She's
1: been terrific, and, and uh, Becca's terrific. The problem is, Danny is a sleeper. And yeah,
2: let's not make this about see? Danny. Let's make this a thank you to Emma for her great work. Let's not.
3: Oh, I think let's Emma and Becca time love to crush, this. Uh, crush because Danny. this is going on behind the scenes. Yeah, let's, and Jacob took the photo this week. I just wanted
2: to make this positive. We're <laughs> being positive here, like Paul. Well, positive I, PK. I want to be positive about Emma. But I'm,
1: I'm scared for us that Danny is getting more power. Emma, I texted yesterday. There, look. I told her, oh, dear God. I told her. i Dan. I'm very sad that she's leaving. I know she'll crush it at her next job. She's done fine, fine work for us, and she's one of the reasons we, in our first month, have been such a polished our product. Our infancy.
2: That's in our
1: infancy. Thank you. Thank
2: you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Emma. For this, I'll say, bang, bang! Oh, no.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Emma. Emma,
2: send him a note and tell
1: him not to do that.
3: And thanks to everyone for tuning in today. (laughs) We are back on Monday with a full recap of all the headlines from the weekend. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.
1: Please remember, don't block the box. Don't do bang, bang. (laughs) And please lock the lock. Bang, bang! No, no.